Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome, everyone, to another Marketing News Canada podcast episode, Canada's number one podcast in all things marketing, advertising, and communications. I'm your host, Ted Lau, podcast host, award-winning agency owner, and full-time family man. Today, we have Bruce Key, the founder and CEO of Launchpad Technologies, who's bringing over 20 years of experience in the technology sector. He has led high-profile engagements with organizations such as the White House, Coca-Cola, and Pfizer. With a focus on digital transformation, performance, measurement, and change management, Bruce has spearheaded successful projects worldwide, including Samsung, Salesforce, and Oxford University. His global experience and fluency in multiple languages enable him to manage international teams across continents and cultural boundaries. Launchpad is a technology company based in Vancouver, They help their clients achieve digital transformation goals by enabling seamless integration of applications, data, and people. Bruce, welcome. Well, thanks, Tad, and uh, thanks for the introduction. Very humbling to be here, and great to see you, my friend. Absolutely, my friend. So yeah, every time we have a guest that's you know, part-time entrepreneur and, and part-time superhero. We want to find out, you know, <laughs> what's your origin story? How, how did you get to where you are? Because clearly, I mean, gosh, White House, Coca-Cola, Pfizer, Salesforce, Oxford University. This is, this is some big stuff, man. So how did you get to <laughs> do all that stuff? Right. And uh, first of all, uh, I think, you know, everyone in their career has uh, stood on the shoulders of giants before. Um, I had the opportunity in my earlier careers uh, really work with some fantastic organizations to be able to have exposure and learn from a lot of these experiences uh, with some great people, great company. Um, but uh, the origin story for Launchpad really is after my last company's expansion and growth, uh, very rapid, is also based here in Vancouver too. Um, there are some learnings. You know, we have grown very rapidly, and there's a market need for um, automation, for applications integration. But the people behind all of these have been integral for any organization's growth. So. I started Launchpad in 2018 with $500 in the bank intentionally. Our team has consistently achieved triple digit growth year on year with no outside investment. Uh, that's not to say that we're never open to investment, but uh, our rapid growth is a product of three factors. First, uh, we've really dug down to form a crystal clear understanding of the market's needs and have delivered on them. Second, from day one, uh, while we're rooted here in BC, beautiful British Columbia, Canada, we anchored our thinking globally. We went after Fortune 500 companies out right out of the gate in year one, and uh, was we were able to build a global portfolio, such as Time Magazine, General Motors, Walmart, etc. And also, thirdly, we create a sense of 
purpose in every aspect of our operation. Um, are we doing the right thing? We challenge ourselves to look back one day, you know, maybe over a glass of wine somewhere on the beach together as the management team, uh, that uh, we're, are we proud of the decisions that we made along the way? So that I think those factors has really kind of driven our our growth in a rapid manner. Uh, of course, there are some interesting stories along the way. Uh, Five hundred dollars, as we all know, probably couldn't even you know buy six months worth of coffee <laughs> for the team. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some very interesting creative uh, things that we had to do in the early days. Everyone knew that uh, you know on the team that we uh, you know we we decided to go bootstrapping and. Uh, I recall in our year one, we landed a very good opportunity in San Francisco with a global brand, uh, but we needed to be down there and also throw a party. Uh, we all come from uh, previous organizations where funding is, uh, is, is plenty. You know, we used to stay in you know, swanky hotels, take over a bar to host our you know, customers and partners. Uh, so this one also involved a condemned boat in San Francisco Bay Harbor. So I don't know if I'll go into boat? the details there. Is that what you said? There. Condemned boat? <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Condemned boat Is that, is that safe? Uh, yeah, it's safe. Ish? <laughs> anyway, keep going. I just, I, I heard condemned boat, and this is the first time those two words, I think, have <laughs> entered the marketing news Well, the end result is that everyone was safe and uh, the deal went through in our year one. That was a pivotal moment for us too, to, from a revenue and uh, growth perspective. Uh, but, you know, that's an example of that, um, that fire in your belly uh, mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur and also the team behind it uh, to really pull through. So it sounds like marketing can be can be as as what you want it to be so then if you're bootstrapping you know this this being a marketing podcast tell us some of the marketing challenges that come with five hundred dollars in the bank okay coming up with condemned uh, boat parties and whatnot so so what were the hurdles and so you know a lot of times we have guests on here like you said that come from large uh, organizations or startups that have are, are really well backed and so uh, they have these great lavish marketing campaigns, but w let's talk about the other side. You know, what what can we do f as marketers when we are ch faced with financial obstacles? Right. Um, obviously, we're not in that kind of uh, uh, year one space anymore. But there are some very interesting learnings that we had. You know, we created this um, uh, this obstacle, so to speak, in the early days, uh, almost intentionally to, to really bring down and condense that um, sense of mission for our team. And our team delivered on it. So that's a really great question. You know, there's a difference between year one with a $500 starting fund to where we are now in multi-million multi dollars of uh, revenue annually, consistently. So I would say the key learnings here are... Um, you know, as we navigate through the path to success, we always, you know, have tried to shape our uh, strategies to what we're trying to achieve in terms of objectives. Whenever it comes to marketing, we always condense it down to a couple of very, very uh, clear objectives. So first of all is brand, brand awareness, building the brand awareness for, for smaller organizations who are, you know, new, new on the block, new kid on the block. 
Establishing our brand presence in a crowded market was a significant challenge. So we need to find innovative ways to differentiate ourselves and capture the attention of our target audience. And uh, you know, without going through all the persona mapping and uh, without going through you know uh, that level of investment large organizations have in you know getting all the all the, the the mass data to understand your target audience, what we had was understanding who our buyers were and uh, how do we build trust with them, and that brand awareness comes from that. Uh, the joke about the the condemned boat in San Francisco Bay Harbor is a typical one, right? And it's about walking away with uh, doing something that uh, people remember very clearly, and not only our people, but also our partners and uh, our um, our clients. You know, it's uh, it's something that differentiates yourself. Um, and also, second is scaling and resource allocation. Uh, so as we grew and gained momentum in the earlier days, scaling our marketing efforts. While managing that limited resource was, you know, a balancing act. We had to prioritize our initiatives. You know, Megan, who uh, who's our head of communications and marketing, she runs a long list of prioritization, and uh, <laughs> and our management teams uh, meetings uh, regularly. Uh, you know, she's always going through that. Uh, you know, critical is this critical? Is this high? Is it low? Right? Constantly balancing what we what we have to work with and what we're trying to achieve, um, and also looking for the most impactful results to optimize our allocation. And overcoming these challenges require a combination of creativity, adapt adaptability, and deep understanding of our market. So I think you know that that team internally, from a marketing side, pers uh, from a marketing perspective. Working closely not only with the management team to know what we want to achieve, but also kind of tying that back to to our people. Um, so we have our team that's working with uh, you know autonomous driving vehicles in in in, in California, and that team that they're you know in the trenches, the technology that they're working with, you know our marketers in in house, our marketing team, you know is talking to them constantly, trying to understand, you know, what is interesting, what are the challenges, how do we amplify this? So our people is our most valuable resource when it comes to marketing. So uh, we learn to embrace these challenges and as opportunities for growth. Um, yeah, and while along the way, having a lot of fun. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it sounds like you are having a lot of fun. I, I want to dig into a little bit more around that, that meeting rhythm that you just spoke about, how sure. you, Megan and the marketing team will go and speak with the the team in Southern California about this uh, the automatic vehicle automated vehicle uh, project. So, so does your your marketing team have regular set? I don't know if it's EOS style or, or a, a set meeting with multiple teams, and then and then there's an agenda that is run through. Can you explain how that that works? Because I think that's something that. I mean, a smaller organization at, you know, Ballistic Arts here, you know, my, my company is, is, <laughs> is not really doing because we're a smaller outfit, but it, yeah. it's really great to know as, as companies scale, I think it's a really good insight. So can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? That's a great question, Ted. Actually, I've been a proponent of smaller organizations and rapid growth organizations having a set framework that they can operate with. Um, 
I had the opportunity to really work with a framework called Rockefeller Habits in the previous couple mm -hmm. organizations that uh, I was uh, working with and growing and driving the growth that. And Rockefeller Habits, if you haven't had a chance to, to look into, uh, or for anyone who's listening, um, it is a set of management framework or ideals, so to speak. Uh, the two can be very, you know, intermingled. That uh, it talks about rhythm and communication of organizations. So as the name suggests, Rockefeller Habits. The Rockefellers, back in the, uh, the days, has really, you know, uh, built businesses that allowed for rapid growth. So for small to medium organizations that, you know, has a, a great revenue path, uh, what it allows us to do is it drives communication. So for instance, number one, internally, um, what is the company's objective? Through communication and rhythm and cadence, anyone from our administrative assistant to our, you know, C-level um, executives in the organization have the same understanding. If you stopped anyone in Launchpad, ask them what is our quarterly goal, ask them what are we trying to achieve, what is the reason of our existence, they all should have the same answers, right? And number two is about transparency in that communication. So on the annual, uh, quarterly basis, annual basis, we have our organization from management level really, you know, talk about what we're trying to achieve, where's our targets, how have we done the good and the bad, so that entire organization is rallied around this. And uh, then number three is really comes down to uh, the, the planning cycle, the cadence, you know, we kind of talk about uh, marketing as one of the functions as example that uh, it's like breathing or when you're running a race, right? Uh, if you're, you know, into any sports, it's about controlling your breathing, your cadence. So if I compare this to a race, um, you know, in the beginning of the race, if it's longer marathon or maybe sprint, right, you're controlling your uh, your breathing so that the entire body, the organs and, and your movements is all coordinated and provides the oxygen to the right levels. So this cadence really dictates um, how the entire organization functions as a, functions as a whole. So what uh, our marketing team does, that, that example, is that it falls right into our uh, Rockefeller hab Habits uh, framework. So on a weekly basis, there is the uh, bottom-up approach where the marketing team identifies all the uh, different tasks they need to do. But then the question is, how does that roll up to the division level? And how does the division level roll up to our organizational level? So you, you break down the giant boulder as what we're trying to achieve, break it down to the, the, the stones and uh, into the division level, and the individuals within that group has their own, what we call rocks, that are their objectives. So, um, you know, with that, I think, you know, especially for organizations that are rapidly growing, whether you're, you know, pre-revenue, you know, the first 5 million or the first, you know, 30, 40 million in revenue uh, is a great framework for, for, for you to to, to really adhere to, and uh, it brings the team together. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I think it's uh, Rockefeller Habits is definitely something that's made its way through globally. Mm. I think the entrepreneurial uh, population 
that said, I think maybe a lot of marketers haven't heard about it. And, and, and in fact, at Ballistic Arts, we don't, we don't use uh, Rockefeller Habits. We use something quite similar, uh, which is EOS, the Entrepreneur's EOS. System. Right. And it's got all, you know, also annual meetings, quarterly meetings. Uh, we, we call them L10s, uh, and, and they're really great having those meetings. And right. like you said, it's a great way to have that transparency through uh, through an organization and, and that meeting rhythm is, is key. So for those of you that are listening that haven't heard about these two great books, even for marketers, this is something that I think you should bring up to your leadership team, which is, uh, yeah, the Rockefeller habits. It's a book, uh, by Vern Harnish, I believe is the, the author. And then that is, is right. Ted. That's right. Yeah. And then EOS is uh, by a guy named Gino Wickman. So plug in these two guys, even though they're not sponsoring this, <laughs> this podcast today. So, uh, you know, like you went from, you know, 500 bucks in the bank condemned boat to now, uh, <laughs> rapid growth, big or big organization doing great things. Uh, where do you see your marketing going in the next while, especially with, you know, you're in the forefront of technology, you're doing automation and whatnot. Clearly AI must be in some part of your recipe for success. So tell us what, what your plans are and, uh, and what you're instructing your team to do and what's the path forward. Right. Um, absolutely. And uh, as we kind of joked about the condemned boat era in the very, very early few months of the organization, we're at a different phase of our growth. Uh, so I've always uh, dis, uh, divided our uh, strategic growth plans into three stages. Uh, phase one is uh, the, the establishing. Um, so that fundamental culture, uh, our team, core team revenue in the early days. Phase two is uh, the growth, kind of proving the revenue, making sure that uh, you know we we are uh, we have a, the right market fit. Uh, and also start to bring in the right marketers and bring, building that team during the phase uh, phase two of the growth, which was completed about a year ago. Uh, with that, uh, that brought us to our phase three, which is where we're in right now, which is the scaling phase. So during the scaling phase, a lot of what we're doing from a marketing uh, strategy perspective is that, again, we take our learnings from phase one and two, the first few years, is that our employees are critical to our overall success. So the future of marketing at Launchpad is taking shape in the following ways. So number one, um, data-driven personalization. As you said, um, you know, we are a technology company, but uh, one of the things you know we 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 always try to avoid is. You know, what's that phrase? The the carpenters always have the worst furnitures in their house or the shoemakers, kid, children have, um, you know, uh, the worst shoes. I, I can't remember exactly how the phrase goes, but uh, we try to avoid that. So uh, our marketing team has intentionally over the past few years, even before AI recently have become, you know, very uh, prominent in everyone's vocabulary. We started using that already because uh, data-driven personalization has been a big thing for us. So we're moving towards leveraging advanced data analytics and AI-driven insights to create highly personalized customer experiences. So by understanding our customers on a deeper level, 
we can tailor our marketing efforts to address their specific needs. So, for instance, uh, you know, uh, Otter AI. This is, uh, before ChatGPT came along, we were using a lot of uh, other tools like Meltwater uh, social listening to really understand uh, our customers and the market trends and our competitors as well. And uh, number two here is really about being agile and uh, staying real time. Marketing is becoming more agile, and we're we, we want to harness that power of the real-time data analytics and social listening to adapt our strategy, ensuring we're always in sync with our customers' evolving needs and marketing uh, trends. For instance, uh, you know everyone is adding the word AI or A <laughs> into everything that they're marketing, right? So. While we do a lot of the work with AI, leveraging AI in a lot of things that we do, but we, you know, do, 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 do customers really, you know, want to buy AI? Are they ready to buy AI, right? That's what we're listening for and staying agile and real time for. So, um, you know, not because, you know, you said, hey, we, we, we have AI, that customer is going to say, great, where do I put the money? But it's really about, how does the solution uh, fit into uh, what the customer is looking for and this, uh, their needs? So staying agile in our marketing and real, in staying real time and really understanding what's going on it is, is critical, especially in the tech industry that we're in. Um, also, thought leadership and community building. I, I really, truly believe in that. Um, we continue to aim to position ourselves at Launchpad here as thought leader in the industry. Um, you know, we're trying to uh, provide thought-provoking content and collaborations, actively engage in the community because the tech community itself really is the driver of a lot of the innovation that's going on out there. And uh, without that community, without, again, the people, our, our own employees, the the communities, the tech and communities that they believe belong to uh, are, are critical to all of this. So, for instance, we're headquartered here in Canada, in Vancouver. We have a team in Toronto, in Montreal, in U.S., but also we have a very large uh, contingent in our South America locations. So our headquarters for South America, Latin America region is in Santiago, Chile. But also we have a very large development and R&D team down in Argentina, in Brazil, in uh, Colombia. My, my team is going to kill me because I keep forgetting a, you know, to mention a couple other smaller locations. But uh, we're in about uh, 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 nine or ten locations altogether. So, uh, you know, that community is key. So talk about, you know, marketing and branding, that community building piece there. You know, we all, I've been in large organizations in the past where, you know, it's all about driving the utility, utilization rate of your team members, you know, how much are, you know, is my ROI from accounting perspective. But what we have realized that is um, we got a lot more engagement and productivity when we engage in community building. So in South America, in our Latin America teams, we, from the get-go have established and all the management team all looked at each other in the eyes and agreed that we're there to build teams, build people, and we want to be known as the best employer in the entire city and in the continent in South America. And in order to do so, we invest in our people. We treat 
our staff in South America, just like in our North America teams. Yeah, there's no difference. You're a launch patter globally. You're a launch patter, and、uh, the investment we we make, including education fund, you know, we look for opportunity to to you know invest and give back to the the, the communities that they live in. Um, you know there are discrepancies sometimes, you know, economically from region to region. So we try to, you know, help、uh, and support those things. So、uh, when you engage in community building and take care of your people,、um, magic happens. And, and I think from a marketing perspective, you know,、uh, back to that rhythm again. Now tying this back to the Rockefeller habits, you know, what our marketing team, Megan, who leads that, you know, she drives. Uh, that conversation internally, and then that turns into our external brand awareness too. So,、um, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, it's a longer way from a leadership perspective of seeing "quote unquote" ROI, but it, it's the most effective ROI I think from a marketing perspective that you can ever get. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think it's really refreshing. You know, coming from a technology company, especially where people, people, people—like you—that's really what you've hammered home. And that、mm. thought leadership. You know, a lot of folks do content marketing. That's the, a lot of things that we 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 encourage our clients to do.、Uh, you know, if we talk about Gary Vaynerchuk with his whole value,、mm. value, value-driven kind of approach, and and you then talk about how do you combine that with data. What do you have a secret sauce, as it were, like a, a or a nugget to share with the audience? Of how you know maybe a smaller organization or maybe even a, a, a marketer from a large company, what they can do to affect change because in their organizations from a marketing perspective. Because gone are the days of like you said, I'm going to do this and then execute on that and da da da. You're talking about agile, and I know、yeah. a lot of marketers get super frustrated when the CEO comes <laughs> in and goes, "Oh well, yeah, we're changing direction completely." Like what we said, like so. What what tips do you have for for that? For this audience,、here. right. So I think I have two tips、uh, for the two different audiences there. So myself being the,、uh, the 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 CEO of the organization, to you know anyone who is in that you know decision making role or direction setting role in organizations,、uh, you know listen to your marketer. And、uh, you know there are moments where you absolutely have to to pivot. I'm you know myself. I put my hand up here. You know. Uh, that I'm guilty of that oftentimes,、uh, but the 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 goal here is to、uh, really work with your 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 marketing team to ask you know to tell them why the context of the change right. I think when there is context and your team, even though if it's a pivot and pivot, we will. Uh, you know, you have the hearts and the minds of, of your team that's behind you when they understand why, not just you know just because, right?、Um, I think that's critical. So sometimes pivots are not avoidable,、uh, but if you do, make sure you share the context. And to our marketers, I think、uh, 
It's about、uh, keeping eye on the end goal, and there's not only one way to achieve the end goal. And it's about uh, uh, working with the team above and below to understand the context, to understand the prioritization of those、uh, objectives, and often fluctuating. And uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I think you know, as long as the entire organization understands that we're rowing in that same direction. That's really what we're trying to get at. That's great, but I mean, okay. So I got a yeah, but here. So I've made the mistake <laughs> that you you raised your hand about、uh, CEO pivots the organization and get buy-in. You know, you got to get buy-in to to the group. But I mean, I don't think I did it well. I had the log- logical reason as to why I wanted to pivot, but I couldn't get. I was unsuccessful at getting a bunch of creatives. <laughs> To go become data driven and do you know lead gen, which was what we do. We do lead gen for established B two B companies. I wasn't able.、Right. To, I was not able to do that, and I, as a result, suffered a ton of turnover, right?、Mm. Because I don't think I got the what's in it for me part of it. And so I'm wondering, at, as you scale, how do you achieve that successfully? Because as you're pivoting. Now you got a larger ship. You're not. You're not a, using the boat analogy. You're not. You're no longer、right. a little a little dinghy that can pivot.、Yep. You're you're becoming a larger tanker. So, any tips around how to to get buy in on the what's in it for me aspect? Right, and, 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 and organization you know, of your size. That's a that's a great question. I think you know you're right. As organizations grow, you know we're、uh, you know in the dozens、uh, going up towards hundreds in our employees count and.、Um, Some things do not change, though, and then that's why I think back in the、uh, phase one, phase two days,、uh, it was critical for us to understand who we really are. And what we have learned here is right behind me here on the wall,、uh, hone your craft. What does that mean? If、uh, let me unpack that, hone your craft.、Um, it, it it means you know at a very superficial level is about. Uh, you know, hey, you know, I got to do better and learn better and dig deeper into my skill set. But if you dig a little bit deeper,、um, everyone who 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 has a craft, right? Yours in marketing, mine in you know organization building, you know,、uh, developers who are learning their skills. There's an inherent deeper satisfaction that they 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 take from what they do.、Um, And as an organization, whether you pivot, whether you stay, you know, same course for decades,、uh, which is pretty impossible for many organizations,、uh, you know, as long as you can answer the question, hone your craft, that the individuals on the team can derive that level of inherent satisfaction. That wake up, they wake up in the morning, that they feel great. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm excited about. Not every single day, but you know, hopefully, majority of the time. Now, there's a second piece to this: is that sometimes the inevitable pivot that needs to happen as an organization,、um, you know, the buy-in that you, you know, as long as you, you're really trying in a very genuine way. But not everyone, you know, will be structurally able to fit into the future state of that pivot. But as long as we treat everyone, you know, back to the hone your craft, our our model internally here at Launchpad, that you know、um, they can fit or they don't fit, right? And they can find that satisfaction even if the process, you know,、uh, is very genuine. Then you know we're good, right?、Um, 
for instance, you know, this also derived from the name of the company, Launchpad. So when um, you know, when you think about, you know, hear the word Launchpad, usually people kind of think about the rocket launch, that you know, the the, the uplift, mm -hmm. the, the motion. But you know, most of the time, people have their attention, their eyeballs when you watch rocket rocket launch, you know, on, on the video. Uh, you know, you're mesmerized by the rocket in the sky, the plume and smoke, the power, the sound, right? The glory of it all. But not many people really think about that pad underneath where it came from. Um, so the name Launchpad for, for uh, us really is about creating a platform where people can uplift their careers. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, the metaphor sometimes is very much lost unless, you know, you, you know, we, we, we internally discuss that. So we have our core values really defined that way from a marketing perspective. That's, you know, uh, omnipresent in, in that sense. That's fantastic. I think it's, it's true. A lot of successful entrepreneurs, a lot of times, you know, the media, the public look at the glory, the rocket as it were but forget that the foundation is super important for success. And, or as you, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't know how the sausage is made, right? Like you, you really got to under see what's, what's behind the veil to see the success. Yeah. So I, I, I love that, that analogy. So, yeah, you know, I think that's, that's, that's great. I, I want to just because of time, I know we, we, I'd love to sit here and just talk to you much longer, <laughs> but you're a busy, busy guy. <laughs> Let's go into a rapid fire round just to get to kind of sure. know Bruce and who he is and what makes him tick. Okay. What do you think? You ready for that? Okay. Let me have a sip of coffee. All, all right, right. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Well, you're having a sip of coffee. So how do you take your coffee? Black. How many cups of coffee do you have a day? Six. Six cups? <laughs> I grew up in Finland, and uh, I think Finland was ranked the highest coffee consumption per capita. So I think there's a bit of a cultural inheritance there. <laughs> Where did you grow up in Finland? Uh, it's on the west coast of Finland, closer uh, across the water from Sweden. It's a small little town called Vasa. It's a half Swedish-speaking, half Finnish-speaking. <laughs> Which language do you prefer to speak, Finnish or sweet or or, or, or Swedish? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I uh, just had this uh, interesting conversation over the weekend. Uh, I think you know Finnish is a very difficult language and it has uh, to learn for for many foreigners, uh, but it's a very rich language. I would say you know on uh, any given day, uh, if I get a chance to speak Finnish and practice it again, uh, I'll take that. Uh, Swedish is also very cool. Uh, we have uh, a little bit of local dialect that's uh, different from the mainland Sweden. Swedish is the most uh, protected minority in the world, I would say, that part of the world. So uh, it's also very cool to speak. <laughs> Best place to vacation outside of Finland and Sweden? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, wherever my family is, I got three little ones, seven, five, and one and a half. And, uh, as, you know, as long as a wife, myself, and the three kids are together, anywhere is the best place to vacation. What is playing on your kids' YouTube channels right now? Oh, no. <laughs> There's a fight. A seven-year-old and a five-year-old are now starting to show their age gap, even though it's two and a half years old. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I think, uh, 
uh, Beyblade is the older one. The younger one is now on uh, on uh, what's it called uh, the 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 uh, Pokemon's Journey. And then uh, my youngest one, one and a half, little baby girl, uh, mm-hmm. she she just loves anything Disney. <laughs> yes, I remember my daughter loving every freaking Disney princess. Elsa was a big one at the <laughs> yes. time. She had 10 Elsa dolls. Ten. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's that's still in the Minnie Mouse stage. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Minnie Mouse. Yeah. Uh, and are you a night owl or a morning person? Both, which uh, makes it tough uh, or really great with the times. Over the years, uh, you know, uh, all the different time zones of travel, working with different teams globally, um, you know, makes you very adaptable to the uh, early morning hours. Uh, but also personally, I think deep down, I'm a night owl. So I enjoy that thinking time late into the evening when everything is all done and quiet. Is this probably why you have six cups of coffee a day? Because you, you, you don't sleep? <laughs> They're all coming coffee? together, aren't they? <laughs> all coming to, it's starting to make sense. And what organizations have you given back either financially or with your time? Oh, uh, so I am a big supporter and fan of our local BC Tech Association. Um, sitting on the board and also on the uh, CEO um, uh, council uh, chair. Um, I think we have such a great tech ecosystem here in British Columbia on the West Coast here. Very vibrant, uh, some great talents. Um, I truly believe that, uh, you know, as we have done so many times, that uh, we are in the middle of a great recipe for success and great support from the government in Victoria and also in Ottawa. Um, and with all the innovation and talent that we have in this tech community in BC, we can do some great things together. That's great. I think we're going to end it there. That was a good plug for the BC tech industry. And, uh, you know what? I had a great time, Bruce, today on our call. Uh, everybody, you know, I hope you give a round of applause through the microphone or through your speakers or whatever to, to Bruce Key from Launchpad Technology is a great time. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you again. Thank you, Ted, and thank you for the opportunity. Great talking to you. All right, Bruce. Well, that was another episode of Market News Canada, everybody. Have a great time. Do your thing, and remember to focus on the foundations of your Launchpad. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.